If you've been listening to the show, you know I've been diving into the direct care business model for physicians as a way to rebuild our American healthcare system and end the burnout epidemic. If you're working with us as a planning client, we can help you get clarity on what it takes to get there, keep you accountable, and even give you a bunch of examples of how well this has worked for others. But I know many of you will need more than it. You may need support doing things you've never had to do before, like business planning or marketing or even IT. And I'm sure you could probably use a part. That's what my friends at Freedom Health Works can do for you. They're the complete direct primary care solution for physicians that want to buck the system. They can help you set up and run your own practice with easy financing and support you with the business strategy, hiring guidance, technology setup, client acquisition, and even your website. If you're curious to learn more about them, hit pause, grab your phone right now and save this number. 317-804-1203. That's 317-804-1203. We've also had their CEO on our May 2nd episode one of their current clients on our June 13th episode and a client of ours who just started working with them on our show that aired on July 18th. Make sure and give those shows a listen if you're curious, but if you want to get some questions answered directly, give them a call. They're a great team. And once again, find out more at 317-804-1203 and make sure to tell my you. Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. If you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. What's up, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I had a couple questions that have been coming in pretty recently and wanted to talk through those. We get a lot of these questions with our families that we work with. We work with a bunch of physician families one-on-one and, and get to dig into their finances, and we see all kinds of questions come up in that regard. But what I wanted to talk about today was some of the most common questions we get from potential clients or new clients, because I think those are probably more in line with a lot of you guys, the questions you're having, especially if you're not working with somebody or if you're early in your career. And so I'm going to talk through one particular question today, and we'll do a couple of these type Q&A shows here in a row. So the question comes up a lot is maybe somebody is reaching out to us and they're already working with an advisor a financial advisor, and 
they've heard that maybe it's not the best approach. And so this particular type of advisor, I'm going to call them the AUM advisor. What that means is assets under management. It's basically like the wealth manager type advisor. And so these people are working with an, a wealth management type advisor, and they've heard that maybe that's not the, the best approach and they want to get like a second opinion on that. So that's a common question that comes up. It could be a problem. It could not be a problem. So I'm going to talk through what that actually means and, you know, how it can be a problem and how it can potentially not be a problem. So an AUM advisor, that type of advisor is typically going to charge a percentage of the assets that are literally managed, like the assets that they're completely responsible for on your behalf. They're typically charging like a percentage on average, it's like 1%. So they're typically charging 1% of the balance of the investments that they're managing on your behalf. And so that's how they make money. That's an important starting point is like where follow the money, understand where the incentives are and how they're paid. And you know, you can typically get a lot of good info from that. So as I mentioned, they're typically charging 1% of assets. So that doesn't, I mean, if we do the math, that's not too bad. If you have like $10,000, let's say you got a couple Roth IRAs with 5,000 each, $10,000, that's like a hundred dollars a year, 1% or even a hundred thousand. Like if you're up to a hundred thousand, that's not too bad either. I mean, a thousand dollars a year to have like an advisor looking out for you. Maybe that doesn't sound like too bad of a deal. And it, and it might not be, but as you start to get to larger balances, you know, say it's 1 million, you know, you start to talk about 10,000 a year, or even if you have $10 million, that's a hundred thousand a year, 1% of that. So it can, it can get to be big numbers, but I think for starters, it's just a simple thing is like understanding what that actually translates to. A lot of people don't take the time to do the math on like, what is 1% of my balance? Uh, what are they actually managing for me? And what are they not managing for me? So it's typically a 1% type fee on the accounts that are managed. Investment services are typically the focal point. As a, I mean, it, it's like anything. You typically see uh, the services really focus around like what's actually being uh, charged for. So like they're charging a percentage of the ba balance of the assets. So they're going to, that type of advisor is going to be much more focused on investments. I mean, it's just kind of like, that's kind of common sense, I think, or spending time. And this is not always the case, but a lot of them are also spending time, you know, working to go get new assets, like selling essentially, like trying to get more assets, you know, because they got to, the more assets, the better revenue. So as I mentioned, some are better than others. This can work. Like, I don't think this is the worst possible setup for an advisor. It can work, but I think you need to be aware of, of some of the confl conflicts of interest and problems that can occur. And I think I'll throw this out there too. Number one thing is like the person and the fit there and the character there. Like, do you trust the person? That's far and away most important um, above and beyond all this stuff. So, I, I mean, I kind of, Sometimes think that's an assumption, but it's probably worth stating. That's definitely the most important thing. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ren Financial Planning. Want to hear something cool? 
My team at Ren Financial Planning has consistently told me that the listeners of this podcast are their favorite people to talk to. Did you know that you can set up a no-cost triage meeting with one of our amazing CFPs at Ren Financial Planning anytime and talk about your biggest financial questions? We can discuss things like considerations for transitioning into practice, getting the best bang for your buck buying a house, the smartest way to pay off student debt, or tips on maximizing your compensation package. Or maybe you'd love a second set of eyes to help look over your tax return or investment allocations. Maybe you'd just like a general second opinion from your existing advisor. Either way, our role in this meeting will be to listen to your concerns and help you start to identify potential actionable next steps so that you can start to make solid progress addressing those concerns as quickly as possible. Schedule a meeting now. You'll see a link in the show notes. And when you do, make sure to indicate you found us from Finance for Physicians. We look forward to talking to you. Okay, let's get back to our show. Aside from that, though, some of the big problems. So I've already kind of hit hit on some of those. But having, so if an advisor like that has no minimum account size, so say you have 10,000 and they're charging you $100 a year, that tends to lead to very little attention. Like you're not going to get, you have to kind of look at it like you get what you pay for. And that is true, you know, most of the time. It's not always true. But if you're only paying $100 a year, they're going to have to have a whole bunch of clients. I mean, you can do the math on it. They're going to have to have like thousands of clients to make a living at that level. And there's no way to give a lot of attention to thousands of clients. Like, I mean, maybe a tiny bit of attention, like, but you're, you should not expect much attention at all. And that's just kind of a nature of how, you know, it works. Now, maybe you get in a relationship with someone that, you know, gives you extra attention because you have a good relationship. So there's some exceptions, but when they have those low number balances, like you're going to see typically little attention. Another thing sometimes you run into with this type of advisor is just having a minimum account size. So they'll say, you know, we can't work with you unless you have at least $500,000 of assets. And that translates, I mean, it kind of solves the problem of what I was just talking about. They realize that like they can't give much attention to small accounts. And so they just say, okay, we can only work with you. A common number is like 500,000 or some of them have a million dollar asset minimum. So they're like, well, we, we either gonna charge you 5,000 a year as a minimum or you have to have $500,000 assets with us. Another big thing, which I've kind of already hit on is when you start to have bigger balances. So like the average physician is gonna have, you know, start in practice, low balances, but balances grow really fast. And then mid to late career, you have really big balances, like above average, you know, should be at least multiple millions of dollars. And so with this type of an advisor, it's low cost on the front end, like sometimes really low cost. And then that goes up and on the back end, it's super high cost. So those big, when your balances get big, it can get really out of hand in terms of like what you're actually paying. You know, I did the math, like a million dollars, 10,000 a year, but you know, it's up from there. So, you know, 10 million, you're paying a hundred thousand a year. That's pretty insane. If they're just managing your investments, that's a nutty high balance. Another thing I've kind of hit on is when you're just paying for investment management, which is technically what that typically is set up as, you're going to see very little service tied to anything else. So I wouldn't expect much, especially like proactive attention. Like there's going to be little proactive attention focused on things like student loans 
or debt or, you know, planning ahead. Now, planning ahead, sometimes there is a tension on that because it's known that that's necessary to increase the amount of assets that are managed. But they're typically, the attention is typically going to be focused around those investments and there's rarely going to be attention in other areas that are a lot of times more important than the investments themselves. The other thing too, this, this is the last big thing I'll throw out for today. It's just the conflict of interest. You know, there are always conflicts of interest. This is just kind of the conflicts you would want to consider in this sort of situation. So there's very little, really, there's no incentive, I guess. They're disincentivized to ever recommend removing balances. So if you have, or even advising against saving more into your investments. So let's say you have student loans. There's an incentive to always say like, well, you need to invest first before you pay off student loans or say you have a big balance and you know you have a debt that you might be better off paying off there's a disincentive for them to tell you to do that there's also a disincentive for charitable giving a lot of times if you give charitably that's money that goes out of the account and so there's there's going to be a disincentive for them to tell you or advise you to remove money from those accounts another big thing there's a disincentive to and this kind of ties into the services there's a disincentive to do deal with things like backdoor Roth IRAs or solo 401ks. Those are just like kind of extra above and beyond value adds that typically, you know, an asset-based advisor is going to be like, well, you know, just have an IRA, roll over your 401k to an IRA and the backdoor Roth IRA is not that big of a deal, but that's, you know, the incentive for them is to not have to deal with that because they don't really, that doesn't change how much money they get paid. So not to say, like I said, like the, I think the big takeaway is understanding, being aware of these things. I'm not trying to say that they're all bad. I've operated in this model before. I switched out of it because I didn't think it was the, the right model or the best model for dealing with, with clients, but it can work. And it's the more important thing is that you're aware of it. And that's, that's my goal for sharing this. All right, well, we'll get into some other Q&A type conversations in the next show and we'll look forward to seeing you then you've been listening to finance for physicians to make sure that you never miss an episode subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player on this show we believe that when you prioritize your finances you take better care of yourself have more fulfilling relationships with your families and most importantly provide higher quality care for your patients if you feel this way too and want to learn more then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.